it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mary! What? Where's me top? Wherever you left them. Uh, did you see me flip-flops? Ah, uh, here. Make your next holiday fuss-free with an Avantcard personal loan. With personalized pricing that's made for you, at least there's one less thing to worry about. Find out more at avantcard.ie. And me snorkel? <laughs> Have you seen me snorkel? Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Avancard DAC Tradings. Avancard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. You're listening to Let's Talk Jets Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Jets Radio. This is your host, Tyson Roush, and we got an action-packed show tonight. I mean, obviously, free agency is a week away, or a week and eight days away. We've got a lot to talk about, contracts, salary cap, free agency, you name it, we got to talk about it. So, with that being said, let's introduce Joe from Long Beach. Joe, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going, Tyson, man? I'm excited, man. I'm ready to talk, ready, ready for the show, bro. Yeah, no, it's definitely an exciting time. We got a special guest joining us tonight, and it's Jason Fitzgerald from OverTheCap.com. And I mean, ever by now, if you're an NFL fan, you know who Jason is, as his website is the most prominent source of information. It comes to salary caps, contracts, everything else. So, with no, without further ado, Jason, it's Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man? Ah, uh, pretty good. How you guys doing? Dude, we're doing awesome, man, and thank you so much for joining us tonight, man. It, it's funny because, you know, I'm, I've known you a long time, man, and you started out with, you know, NewYorkJetsCat.com, and it was like the one-stop shop for the New York Jets. Like, if you had a contract question, any kind of thing, I knew everybody that I knew always went to your site. And to see where it's at now with you covering the entire NFL and the, all the information you have and you provide for everybody, first of all, it's just an incredible, it's incredible what you've accomplished, man. Yeah, thanks. It is crazy because like, everybody you see where NFL Network is, and everybody's you're referencing your work. So just again, you know, thank you for your time and congratulations on all your accomplishments. And, and I guess the first question I have for you is a lot of a lot of things came out tonight, and the first thing was you know the amount of salary cap space the Jets have. And I guess is the reported number around like fifty five million dollars? Uh, it should be right around there. I have them estimated at right around I think fifty two million or so. It might be a little bit uh, a little bit. Uh, above that, I, I might not have all the, the latest additions that are in there, but they're, they're going to be over $50 million in cap space, definitely. Which is a sweet spot to be in. And, and I guess the next question I have for you, and this is actually a, a question that one of our listeners had, um, it's the NFL's cash spending rules. The uh, big news for the Jets were that you know, over the next two years, they had to spend a lot of money just based on you know, the NFL cash spending rules. Can you kind of give us some insight on what exactly that means and how they go about that? Well, there's two different things when it comes to salary cap and contract valuations. You know, one is that salary cap figure. Uh, that's the one that we mainly talk about. But the other thing that's involved in this, which is really a lot of what the agents talk about when they're negotiating these contracts and the teams, 
is the actual way that the cash is paid over the course of the contract. So the main difference between the two is in the signing bonus money. Um, signing bonuses are usually paid or committed as a lump sum. You know, a player might get $20 million signing bonus. For cap, that'll count, you know, on a five-year deal at, you know, $4 million a season. For cash purposes, it counts in the year that it's actually paid. Um, so you, you can make up that shortfall in cash spending pretty quickly by having a bunch of players that'll get a lot of signing bonus money. Um, in the Jets' case, you know, that they haven't really spent much money at all the last two years. So it, it was really no surprise that they came out as low as they did. Um, but the, the two calculations are very different. And for a team like the Jets this year or the you know, Raiders or Jaguars that have loads and loads of cap space, you, you would expect them to either give very high salaries to players this year or large signing bonuses. That'll, you know, make up for some of that shortfall that they have right now. Yeah, and that's an excellent thing to hear because we'll definitely be, you know, looking to improve our team in free agency. I want to welcome you to the show, uh, Jason. This is Joe from Long Beach. I want to know what kind of numbers are we looking at giving to Muhammad Wilkerson to get him to stay? Well, I, I think with Wilkerson, um, I, I would think this is the, the best time for them probably to negotiate a deal with him. Uh, given the market, I, I would think that he's probably about a $12 million a year player, uh, yeah, give or take a little bit. Um, you know, the, the high end of the market, obviously, is J.J. Watt, who's going to come in a little over $16 million. Uh, Wilkerson might be the second best player at that position, but he doesn't really compare, I think, to, to Watt. Watt. Watt brings a a whole different dynamic to the game than pretty much any other defensive player. That, so that's not really a knock on Wilkerson. I think that's just a, a little bit of a reality check because I think there were some people that when Watt was signing that contract kept saying, well, what does this mean for Wilkerson? What does it mean for Wilkerson? And I don't really see the two being that closely related. Um, you know, the the next highest paid pass rusher, uh, I guess, is Quinn at about $14 million, and, you know, that's a significant more production in terms of sacks and everything else than Wilkerson as well. So, you know, you're really looking at $12 million. That, That'll push him to the high, uh, pretty much the highest spot uh, among non-J.J. Watt players that are going to play that 3-4 defensive end position. Um, you know, put, put him right around $12 million a season. Mm, that's that's great intake. I'm also wondering about Damian Harrison as well. How much do you think it will take to get him signed? That's a little bit of a harder one. Uh, I, I don't know exactly what the Jets will plan to do. He's a restricted free agent this year, so the Jets will probably put a second-round tender on him. Uh, that'll cost them – I don't have it right open in front of me, but oh, that'll cost them a little over $2 million for this year. So what they'll do is they'll extend that tender to him, and then they'll probably try and work out a long-term agreement after that. It, there's not a lot of players that, you know, really play that position. Uh, they get paid much. So it, it's kind of hard to come up necessarily with a comparable for him. But when you look at defensive tackles in general, uh, guys playing a, the 4-3 more so than the 3-4, he probably falls into that category of players who are getting you know, $4 million, $5 million a year. That seems to be where a lot of players are kind of coming in at, um, whether it was Senderic Marks last year, uh, you know, maybe Miller a couple months ago signed an extension. Uh, it seems like everybody is kind of coming in in that range with the exception of the, you know, Gerald McCoy um, and Dominic Sue kind of players. And those guys are a different level. You know, they're, they're a top draft pick kind of players, tons of leverage in a contract negotiation. They, they put up big pass rushing numbers. Um, so I, I would think that he'll probably settle in with most of the other players that are making in that four to five million dollar a year range. Uh, once again, we're talking to Jason Fitzgerald from OverTheCap.com. Must follow on Twitter, and I'm, I'm sure by now everybody knows who he is. Jason, the next question is probably the most popular question in Jets Nation. It's Percy Harvin. I mean, obviously, you know, he's no guaranteed money. He's, I believe, it's 10.5 million this year. The Jets keep him. They give up a fourth round pick. If not, it's a sixth round pick. What is your take on this Percy Harvin situation? It, it, that's a tough one. Uh, you know, if I'm the Jets, I, I think what I would probably do is right now I wouldn't touch his deal. I, I think the Jets have a week, basically, once free agency starts to decide, uh, to decide on his fate. I would probably go into free agency, and I would look to see if I can upgrade, um, you know, whether it's a Jeremy Macklin type or someone else 
see if I can get better at the position. If I can't, then I'll probably try and uh, work out a new contract with him. Um, I, I don't think the Jets can... Uh, you know, it's hard to say. It's a weird trade. Um, you know, I, I don't know if the Jets can actually save themselves from losing that fourth-round pick if they want to keep him. Uh, basically, it sounded as if the trade compensation on that, what was reported is that he can't come back to the roster until after the NFL draft if they want to save that fourth-round pick. So I, I don't really know if it's possible for them to, to save that pick uh, in any manner. Um, but I, I would try and bring that salary down, even though the, the Jets have a lot of money that they can spend this year. He's not worth even close to that, and I think that just sets a bad precedent for the team if you are carrying that kind of player at that kind of figure. I, I think that's just going to hurt you down the line with more negotiations when someone's going to come up and say, you know, you, you kept Percy Harvin at $10.5 million. The guy's never healthy, never had a 1,000-yard season. You know, he's basically a $5, 6000000 million receiver, and you decided to keep him at that figure. You know, you got to pay my guy more money. And I think that's something they have to be aware of uh, when they, they work out a deal with them. Yeah, and, that, and that's a really great point because, you know, like right now, like on our Twitter account, we're getting lit up like, you know, the Jets have over $50 million in cap space. Just because you have that cap space doesn't mean like you spend like drunken sailors. And it's just like, you know, you, you see, like you said, for $10 million, he's not that kind of player. But the question I have for you is, you know, what, what would you give a guy like, you know, if you're exploring other options, like a Randall Cobb or a Jeremy Macklin, are they in that 8 or $9 million a year kind of player range? Is that, is that the kind of range you think they're going to fall into? I, I would think so. Uh, Cobb, I think definitely. Uh, Cobb is essentially a slot receiver. I think, well, not counting the Harvin deal, uh, who kind of would have factored in uh, on that as well. Uh, you know, the highest paid is probably Victor Cruz, around $8.5, 8700000 So that position really doesn't jump that high. So unless a team like the Raiders just went in there uh, and really overbid on him, I would think he's a $9 million player, give or take a couple hundred thousand. Macklin, I personally believe that's where he belongs, is around $9 million. But he had a great season last year, um, you know, specifically in the first half of the year. He, he was putting up tremendous numbers, uh, was showing that you could run a passing offense kind of through him. And there's not a lot of players that can necessarily say that. So that there might be a team that's looking to push a little bit more. Uh, but I, I think you might be able to get creative with that. Sometimes players like that, and this, this happened with uh, his old teammate, Deshaun Jackson, they're very fixated sometimes on a number for specifically an annual value on the contract. So uh, what they did with Jackson in Philadelphia is they kind of got him his annual value he wanted, his $9.7 million a year, whatever that number came out to be. But the actual meat of the contract before they were able to release him really only paid him like a $9 million a year player. So Macklin might fall into one of those categories where you have to put more money in the back end of it to make it sound more impressive than it really is. But I, I would think that's sort of, you know, he'll fall into that $9.5 million range. I, I, don't think, I don't think they would go above $10 million on him, certainly not much over ten if uh, if somebody did. Yes, Jason, it's excellent that we're getting to talk to you. You're giving us great takes. I'm wondering what you think about Mike Ayupati. Uh, he's a guy that could definitely impact our offensive line immediately. What are the contract numbers looking like yearly to possibly bring him in as well? They would be pretty high on him. Um, you know, he's pretty well regarded, uh, I think, around the league. Um, if you look at where that position has gone, a um, guy in Tennessee uh, a couple years ago, you know, he signed a pretty big contract. So, I mean, he, he might be looking at something like you know, $8 million a year. Um, I, I think that's a possibility. Now, I, I don't think the Jets should be necessarily against that. Uh, he's a terrific player in the in the run. You would think as the Jets work through their quarterback problems, you know, that that's an important thing to have. But, uh, you know, it, it's not going to be cheap to uh, to bring him in. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that offensive line uh, position as far as free agency, you're going to have to pay a lot of guys. And that leads me to my next question. Could the market make Doug Free a high-paid player as well? No, I don't think so. Uh, you know, Doug Free is getting closer towards the end of his career. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I would think that he, he would come in, and you can slot him at a couple positions. I mean, he can play guard, he can play tackle for you. 
I, I would think that he's probably going to come in more in that $5 million a year range. I mean, two years ago, and it's pretty funny the way things change in the NFL, two years ago, Dallas was basically almost ready to cut him. Uh, yep. You know, they, they, they ended up negotiating a pay cut, not so much because they really wanted to keep him necessarily. It was more because it was going to be difficult to release him because of what they had done with his contract all these years with the salary cap hits. So, you know, all it took, though, was one year for him to basically get back on the field. The next thing you know, he looks like a competent player again. Um, but I, I don't think anyone is going to view him as a upper echelon kind of player. And that position right now, I think the highest paid player um, might be $7 million a year. might not even be that. It might be $6 million a year. Um, trying to think for a second. Now, you know what? It's $7 million, but almost everybody came in around $6 million. Uh, for the next year, and I, I don't even think he'll hit that just because of the age. Uh, my guess is he'll be, you know, five million, four and a half million a season. Uh, we're talking to Jason Fitzgerald from OverTheCap.com, who's chopping some serious knowledge here in terms of contracts and salary cap. And Jason, uh, another major need for the Jets is a pass rusher, which is no secret ever since John Abraham at this point, I would guess. Um, are you, first of all, are you surprised that Jerry Hughes wasn't franchised in Buffalo? Did that surprise me a little bit? Um, I, I can't say that I was totally stunned by it, only because when you look at the amount of money they have invested right now between Mario Williams, Kyle Williams, um, Darius is on the last year of his contract, they have some significant money tied up already in defensive players on you know in that front. So I, I do think that a team has to question you know how much more can you pour into that? You know, kind of like when we we had. Revis and Cromartie on the team, you, you did kind of ask yourself, well, how much more money can you keep investing in quarterbacks? You know, you got another first-round pick in Kyle Wilson. People are telling you to go out and spend big money on safeties. So I, I think it does become, you know, hard for certain teams to go beyond a number when it comes to positional allotments. So I, I can't say stunned, but I, I was a little surprised by it because I, I do believe that he'll probably get I would think he'll go over $10 million a year. I would think, based on the numbers he's put up the last two seasons, uh, former number one uh, first-round draft pick, you know, I would think that he'll get into that upper tier of uh, pass rush money in that 10 to $11 million a year range. So I would have figured, even if they just wanted to try and protect their investment, just, you know, sign him and then try and work out a trade, much like we did with Abraham back in 2006. Um Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. I would have thought they would have done that, but they, they didn't. So I, I would imagine that means they're, they're not going to make any attempt to resign him. Yeah, and I, I was definitely surprised, and that's kind of the pass rusher that Rex Ryan always needed, which is kind of, kind of ironic. The, um, I guess you went to his contract a little bit, and then after that, there's guys like another guy that wasn't tagged is Jason Worlds with the Steelers. What kind of market do you see for him? Is, does he, I mean, I don't think he's going to command the same thing as a Hughes, but between him and Pernell McPhee, it seems like these guys are going to get huge deals. Well, Nick Fee is going to be one of those – he's a real boomer bust, I think, kind of type. You know, there's not really necessarily a big track record there. Um, you know, that's your typical kind of backup player, puts up a bunch of sacks and limited snaps and just has that great season in his walk year. And, you know, that, help, that helps out. You know, his uh, old teammate there, Paul Kruger, turned that into a little over $8 million a year um, in Cleveland. And he's going to get more because, you know, the, the cap has risen, uh, player expectations are higher on these contracts. Um, so he's probably going to be right, I would think, right below $10 million a year. 
Uh, but I, I could see him surpassing that if the market heats up for him. Um, Jason Worlds, a little bit less so. Um, you know, I, I think he's probably a better all-around player. He's more proven to be able to um, play a bit more. Uh, you know, you, you know he can start, but he's not going to put up the kind of sack numbers that some of these other guys might. So I, I think he would cost less because of that, um, you know, maybe $8 million a year, seven and a half, something like that. I would think that his career mimics a little bit, uh, though I don't think he's the athletic player that he was in his prime, uh, probably mimics a little bit someone like a Calvin Pace, you know, someone that yeah. was a uh, highly regarded player, kind of disappointed for a while, and, you know, out of nowhere just has that one season where you say, all right, you know what, maybe we should, you know, do more with this guy. So the Steelers decided to put the transition tag on him. When Pace had that one year, the Cardinals let him walk, and we ended up signing him. Um, I, I kind of see some similarities there where he he would not be a devastating pass rusher. He would just be someone that you kind of have to account for in that aspect of the game. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And, and another guy that's kind of been mentioned a lot with, with us is, is Brian Arakpo. And the thing about him, it's like, you know, in 2014, 2012, he missed time. And then in 2013, he had 10 sacks. So, like, how do you gauge – the, like how you gauge the value of him? It's like he's like to me he's like a boomer bust. He's healthy and he you know he's in the right situation. He could flourish. If not, like how do you construct that kind of contract? It's really really hard. Um, you know, with a player like that, you're going to have to go into all kinds of incentives on a contract to make it work. Um, you know, you're going to have to tie a lot of money into the per game roster bonuses. Uh, you're going to give incentives in the contract for sacks, uh, maybe probably not tackles, but probably playtime percentages. Um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of things will factor into that. You put escalator clauses in there that will make his salary rise if you need certain playtime thresholds or performance thresholds. Um, it's not an easy kind of contract, I would think, to do. I, I'm not sure what the general feeling about him really even is around the league. I mean, it, it's like you said, he's basically missed two of the last three years. Um, yep. You know, he's hurt a lot, but when he plays, I mean, he's really productive. So the weird thing is that the people in Washington, they don't seem to actually uh, like him that much, the fans. They, they seem to say that he, uh, I guess he's like a stat patter. I can't say that I watch him enough to say one way or the other, but I think they feel like he, um, when it's time to play against the, the Giants and the Cowboys and the Eagles, that he just disappears and that he basically puts up nothing. But then when they just have the, the random game against some team in the AFC, he'll, you know, notch three sacks. So, you know, that, that plays into a decision as well. You know, is, is the player consistent or is he all over the place on a week-to-week basis? He's also getting older, too. I mean, I, I think I think he might be 30 this year, upcoming. So he's moving into that territory as well where taking the one-year deal might not even be something that he considers. So, you know, you're probably looking at a – I'm not sure what a base value on that would even be, $6 million, something like that, with lots of incentives that can probably push it as high as 10 or maybe even right. bring it down uh, lower if he keeps getting hurt. Um, I don't know if the Jets will want to do that. I, I don't know if, uh, if they're in a position where adding that kind of player is really beneficial. I, I think it's probably more beneficial to a team that was in the playoffs last season, um, you know, thinks that maybe they're one player away but don't have a lot of cap space to do it and think they can get him on a deal that's affordable at least for one season. I would think that's probably more where he'll uh, end up. Okay, Jason, uh, another position of need with us is cornerback. Secondary is hurting. Uh, Byron Maxwell is a guy that I heard we're going after. How much of a bidding war are we, you know, looking to get into if we go after him? And what are your thoughts about him? Uh, I, I don't know where he's going to go. He, he's definitely going to be overvalued. Um, you know, it, it's a weak class for cornerbacks. Last year was a year for the cornerback. I mean, you had Tlaib and Vontae Davis. You had, you had a lot of guys um, that were kind of considered near the top or maybe one level below. This year, he's really about it. Um, so I, I think that's going to end up pushing the price really far beyond what his value is. His, his value is probably more of a yeah, number two cornerback on a, uh, on a pretty good defense, which, you know, is more like a 6 to $7 million a year player. Um, he's going to push, I think, much higher than that. Chris Harris in Denver got, I think, around $8 million 
which was actually low because I, I think a lot of people thought Chris Harris could be a number one and just wasn't in that role yet in Denver. Um, so I, I would think he'll definitely get above that. Uh, I don't know if I would necessarily commit to him or not. I, I just kind of think it might end up being, um, you know, too much money and too much responsibility even sometimes to put on a player like that. You know, if they fail, especially in New York, you know, everyone is going to be all over real quick. And, you know, that, that makes a, a deal look pretty bad, you know, as soon as that happens. So I, I'm not sure if I would necessarily be for that. Um, it's not going to hurt the cap, though. That, that's the one thing. Since you have to do have money to spend, and, you know, if you desperately need a player and you want to do it, I think that's okay. I, I just think they have to, to know the backlash that can happen um, if they don't sign him, especially if – or if they do sign him, especially if New England releases Revis and you get into a situation where you could get Revis again and you don't, and then Maxwell looks, you know, more like a, a number two, which is really what he's been, you're going to get a lot of people getting all over you for not bringing Revis back. Exactly. There could be a lot of backlash uh, here in New York. Speaking of that, I'm talking about bringing the guy that back to New York that has already been here. What about Antonio Cromartie? How do you feel about him possibly being brought back? What do you think the market is for him? Uh, I would think that he'll definitely be under uh, consideration to be brought back. I wouldn't be surprised if he's brought back. I, I think he wants to be here. I don't think he ever wanted to leave. Um, I don't believe he was ever offered a chance to stay last year. Uh, he took the to Twitter, or his wife maybe took the to Twitter as soon as he was officially released, and they were not happy with the way the situation was handled. Um you know, he had a good year last year. He made, I think, 3-5 last season. He'd probably get around $5.5 million, um, is what I would think he'd get. And, again, it would be like a one-year or two-year deal. Uh, but, you know, he's familiar with the coach. Uh, obviously, he's familiar with the city. Uh, you know, loves the team, loves the area. I would think that would be a logical fit as a player to bring in and uh, pair him up with someone. <laughs> you know, whomever those other cornerbacks might be next year, whether it's uh, Milliner or someone else, I would think he would be a, a good fit to come back. Well, Jason, since you, you had to mention his name, and we've been, we've been talking about him all day today, uh, Darrell Revis, you know, the chance that he could hit free agency, I mean, I, you know, me, it's at some point you think he stops chasing the money and chases rings, but his history says that he's not going to do that. It, you know, right now, do you think his market would be, what, 15 or $16 million per year, what he would be looking for? Uh, I, I think he'll definitely look for $16 million a year. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to be as firm on that number. In the past, it, pretty much since 2010, he's been fixated on this $16 million a year number. Uh, that hasn't changed. Even last year, this deal that he did with the Patriots was done in this uh, two-year style to give the contract the appearance of a $16 million a year deal, even though he just made $12 million this year. I, I don't know if he'll come off that. Um I kind of think he might, uh, you know, th this is probably the last big deal of his career that he'll get if it's a long-term deal. So I, I think he might just look at this more as I want to get better than Patrick Peterson, um, who right now is the you know, highest real contract on the market, and actually ensure that he, you know, gets a lot of money. He's left money on the table by chasing this $16 million a year deal, because he got no guarantees in the Tampa Bay contract. That was the only way they were going to give him that kind of deal. And for this last one, he makes the $12 million. So had he signed a couple of years ago a contract that was $14 million a year, instead of making you know, whatever he made the last two years, $28 million, he probably would have made 34 35 36 So I think maybe he'll come a little lower, um, maybe 14 5 to 15 But it wouldn't surprise me if he's – still fixated on that $16 million number. Uh, I don't think the rings or the competitive nature of the team will necessarily play into it. Uh, I don't think that really plays into a legacy for him. You know, if he's worried about a legacy, everyone knows he's pretty much the best corner in the game uh, or has been that way for a while. And cornerbacks usually are not judged on championship rings. Uh, really, that's just the quarterback position. Uh, maybe a couple running backs in history that way. So I, I don't think that will really – factor into uh, his decision-making. 
Yeah, I mean that right now. He, he's reminding me of how Deion Sanders would when he bounced, kind of bounced around and just got the money and, and did like that. But I, I guess my two questions about Revis, and I hate talking about him, but we're forced to do it. It's you know if he's turning thirty years old. For me, I wouldn't want to give him a four- or five-year contract just for the fact that he may be great this year and possibly next year. And then after that, you're paying $15 million for a guy who's probably going to be losing his step. Would that be a concern for you if you're trying to negotiate a contract with Revis? I, I would think it's a concern for teams. You know, I, I think there's certain ages that are considered basically prime years um, for someone. And I made a statement to someone actually just the other day um, about contracts in the NFL and it's almost like buying a new car. You know, the, the minute you get that new car, it immediately depreciates like 20%. That's like, a, that's like an NFL contract. I mean, the minute that you sign a player, their, their performance pretty much drops off uh, within a year. Um, that's just the, the nature of the game. You know, as guys get older, you know, 28, 29, 30, the, the performances start to decline. I don't know how much of a concern it will be with Revis. You know, it depends on how much a team is desperate for the player. Um, the other thing with Revis is, uh, I think, much like a player like a Charles Woodson um, out in Oakland now playing safety, you know, th- these are players who I-, I think are extremely smart. They have great technique, and I think they can you know, get by much better than other players can when they start to, to lose a step. Um, so I-, I think people will probably look at Revis and say, maybe he won't be able to keep up with the fastest guys down the field. And I, I think that's a, a thing with him now. I don't think he can do that anymore. But he's smart enough to, to get those guys to not get off the line to, to beat him. Um, you know, he has tricks to basically bait quarterbacks into throwing at him, and, you know, he can defend the pass or maybe get a turnover. Uh, and I think down the line people say, you know what, he can also be probably a pretty good safety if uh, we get to the point where we have to transition him to a different position. So it'll be some concern for certain teams, but I think it might be less of a concern with him than it would be for other players. Yeah, I mean, do you like – one of the arguments I have with Revis is just based on his price tag, and I understand his ability and his status in the NFL, but based on his price tag, as a New York Jets, couldn't you see getting better value, say, for his $15 million if you signed, say, a Kareem Jackson and a pass rusher or, you know, you get one of the, the you know, one of the top-ranked – or not top-ranked, top-ranked available cornerbacks and, say, a pass rusher or C.J. Spiller or something like that. Do you see you can get more value out of $15 million trying to get two players over getting a Revis? Oh, yeah, I, I think definitely so. Um, though Jackson is probably, uh, much like Maxwell, one of those players that's going to end up getting uh, overvalued in free agency. But, yeah, I, I think you would definitely um, get better value from finding a cornerback that you know makes half of that, and then you can sign you know a pass rusher or – Whatever, whatever position you even really, really want to consider, um, you know, with the, the rest of that money, I think you would get better value out of it. Uh, I just kind of feel like for the Jets right now, I think because of the way things went down the last two years, specifically last year, I almost feel like ownership is going to feel as if they need to make some kind of moves out there to kind of get the fan base back on board with, with the New York Jets, with the program that they're running and what they do. And even though, you know, you, you don't win Super Bowl titles with free agency, I don't know right now if the, the Jets are competing for a Super Bowl anyway, but I think they're really competing to try and get a fan base back that really, they, at the last two years, I think really crushed the fans, uh, just the way everything went down and, uh, you know, the, the way the organization just looks so divided um, between Idzik and Rex Ryan and, and, you know, just so many bad things that uh, I almost feel like, bringing back a player like Revis um, brings some excitement back to the team. Yes, that would be that would be a solid move for them to make as well if they could fit him into the cap situation. But like Tyson said, I doubt he'll sign for what we need, to, what we need him to sign for to make things make sense. Uh, my next question for you is, Justin Forsett is a guy that could be on our radar as well. What would he fetch in the open market, and would Roy Hulu be a better option for us as far as salary cap-wise and getting him in for a deal that would make sense for us? Uh, I don't think Forsett's going to get that much. Um, you know, this is – you're looking at a player who really did nothing um, for most of his career. He was a minimum salary player last year. Uh, it really came out of nowhere. You know, the, the Ravens were just um, – you know, the Ravens were just looking for bodies to put out there, and it so happened that he was the guy, and he had a great season – 
Um, he'll get more than the minimum, but I don't think that he would do significantly better than a player like a Rashad Jennings or something did in free agency last year, which was uh, about $2.5 million a season. Um, and even then, that, that might even be high. Uh, you know, Jennings, I, I guess, had at least a couple moments here and there. I mean, Forsett's basically looking at one. Um, I, I don't know if he would be someone that we should necessarily look at. I, there, there's a lot of running backs that are out there. Um, yeah, I, I would think that there's, uh, you know, a lot of players that the Jets can consider at the position. Uh, once again, we're talking to Jason from OverTheCap.com. And, Jason, my, my last question for you is regarding the safety position. Another name that came up today was, you know, the, the you know, Devin McCourty was not franchised by the Patriots. Some believe that he's got a deal in the works. Some believe that they're going to let him test free agency and they come back to the Patriots with an offer. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Were you surprised he wasn't franchised? And what kind of deal do you think he's going to get, like $9 million per year or something like that? Um, I, I'm not really surprised that he wasn't franchised. You know, the, the franchise tag on the safety is a pretty high number, and there's very few safeties that will that'll fetch that, um, you know, on the open market. Uh, he might get $9 million a year. Um, I think that's what Bird came in at last season. I don't think he'll get that much if he stays in New England. Uh, I think $9 million a year would have to come outside of the Patriots organization. Um, my guess is the Patriots would probably approach him similar to like an Eric Weddle kind of contract, which I think is, you know, that's a couple years old now, but around $8 million a season. Um, but, yeah, probably open market. You know, it might be $9 million a year. But if teams do believe that the, the Patriots have kind of a, you know, an agreement with him that says, you know, bring us an offer back and we'll see what we can do, Sometimes you don't want to waste your resources negotiating with the player and, you know, bringing them in for visits and everything else if they're just going to turn around and basically use you to, to go back to another team and uh, get them to sign you to sign them to that uh, offer sheet. Okay, Jason, my last question is, uh, Darnell Dockett is a name I'm starting to hear mentioned with us as well. In case you don't get Leje Doosable or Kendrick Ellis or Harrison Resign, could he be a good option for us, and what are your thoughts about him? Well, he's going to be familiar with the defense. Um, you know, he's coming off an injury. He's older. Uh, if they want to bring somebody in, you know, that knows the defense and uh, knows the coaching staff, you know, gives you a solid veteran presence, yeah, they, they can bring him in. I mean, I, I don't think he'll be that expensive. He was way too expensive for Arizona to keep giving the cap situation, uh, you know, for where he was last year. But I, I could see them bringing him in. Um, he would actually wouldn't be that bad of a pair with Harrison, you, know, you bring in Harrison basically for your rundowns, and you bring in Dockett to uh, rush the passer because that's really what he can do. He can uh, he can bring you some aggression from the position. He can uh, get you some pressures from there, and that that's not really uh, Harrison's game. Harrison's game is you know being in their first, second down, stuff in the run, uh, more so than really getting after the quarterback. Right now, you know the situational guy, you know as you said, is uh, doable, and while well, he might be back, uh, Dockett's a better player than him. Um, so I, I could see them uh, possibly pursuing him as kind of like that uh, that veteran presence on the defensive line to uh, to come in, you know, the couple downs here and there and uh, get after the quarterback. And Jason, one more question. Look, I had to throw this out to you because we're getting we're getting pounded on Twitter. Everybody everybody loves getting information for you. Am I the only one that think it's thinks it's absolutely crazy, ludicrous, and ridiculous for the Jets to even think about pursuing Nadamikin Sue? Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't. Uh, I, I wouldn't be for bringing him in. I don't know where the Jets would even play him. Um, yeah, you know, uh, on the team. You know, it, it's one of those things that when you get into players like that, and same thing with Revis. I, I think you have to look around and see what's on your team and see what kind of value you can get. Uh, even going back to the Jerry Hughes question from before, when you have a Sheldon Richardson and you have a Muhammad Wilkerson do you really need to bring in a Sioux at $15 million a year? Uh, probably not, because you're looking at two Pro Bowl caliber players, and you bring a third to the mix, they're going to take away some of the stats from one another, um, you know, that might not happen in other places. You know, I think a place for Sioux is, you know, it's one of those teams that has decent players, not great players. You know, if you go back to, uh, you know, when our line was, you know, maybe like a, Mike DeVito or someone on there. They yep. probably benefit greatly from having a player like Sue play next to him. But when you've got two great players already there, I, I don't think you can justify putting that kind of money in the position. 
um, because you just won't get the return on it. So I, I would not be for that, um, given the way that our team is built right now. But if one of those guys wasn't there, then I could see it. You know, if there was no Wilkerson or there was no Richardson, and you know, it would just be one, and then the other guy out there would be uh, Harrison. Then I then I would see the benefit to that. But otherwise, it's just too much invested along, you know, one set of positions, and you're just going to get diminishing returns on that money because of it. Yeah, like I, yeah, I completely agree with you. It's like you know, you're spending money on a on an area of strength. You want to spend that kind of money on areas of need. Like you said, it's like it's diminished value, and you'd be surprised. I mean, people are just like, you're crazy for not wanting him. It's like I, there's no doubt he's a great player, but the value and the return, you're just not going to get it where another team that has that hole in the middle will get a substantial return on it. So I completely agree with you. Jason, once again, thank you for your time. I mean, for everybody listening, obviously you can find Jason on Twitter at Jason underscore OTC. I mean, overthecap.com is a phenomenal website, informative. I mean, it's a, it's a one-stop shop for salary caps and contracts and everything else. So, Jason, thank you so much for joining us tonight, man. We really appreciate it. Yep. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good night. You too, man. Thank you. Well, Joe, that was that was a quite informative session there. Is I mean, he broke down everybody from Jason Worlds to running backs to offensive line. I mean, you couldn't ask more information than that, I would guess, right? Man, super knowledgeable guy, and he had fantastic insight on a lot of different things as well, too. Yeah, he broke down everything for us. It was great to talk to him. Yeah, I mean, and while we're talking to Jason, just a real quick thing, there's news just broke just recently that uh, – the Houston Texans have given Andre Johnson permission to seek a trade, so that's something to keep an eye on. I think if they don't get it, I mean, I don't understand why anybody would trade from when they know they're going to probably cut him anyway, but that was released, and thank you to our producer, Kevin, from ShareNet with us. Um, yeah, Joe, the, the thing about Nadalik and Sue, it, you know, on Twitter today, everybody was talking about it, like how if you add him, our pass rush would be ridiculous. While our pass rush may be ridiculous, we're not going to have anybody defending the secondary because you're paying him $15 million. So, you know, following up on what Jason said, I think it's just an awful, terrible, horrendous, and ridiculous <laughs> idea. <laughs> totally agree. This is, this is almost the same kind of uh, argument I feel like we're having about Revis. It's just too much money at, at that position. Um, you know, it, it, first off, it's a position of strength, as we spoke about earlier. And then bringing him in, it's like, where, where do you put him? Because we have other holes in this team. You know, it's, is he going to play safety? Is he going to play corner? Can can he get on the line as well, too, on the on the offensive line? I mean, what else can he do? Because <laughs> we don't really need him all that much. It's just, you know, I understand people just want, want Sue because of the name, and he's a force, and he is a star in this league. But we, we have other needs. Yeah, no doubt. And, and just, again, thank you, for Jason, for joining us. And we got him on tonight as a special free agency show. We will be also live tomorrow night to discuss everything, free agency, the draft, and all the breaking news throughout the day. And, you know, and Joe, the other guy is Revis. We've talked about him in the past. And, you know, at this point we know he, he's a hired gun. He wants the money. He doesn't care about winning. He doesn't care about rings. Obviously, because he did, he played with the Patriots. So, you know, we've talked about it. And I can understand the people wanting to bring him back. I understand his value. But the problem is you can get two quality players for his price tag. And for me, where the Jets are now with all these holes, that's exactly what you have to do. Listen, if you bring him back, are you going to sell some jerseys? Yeah, you, you, I'd buy one because I burnt my last one. But, you know what I mean? It's just like I'd rather have a Kareem Jackson and a Devin McCourty. I'd rather have a Buster Scrine and Devin McCourty. I'd rather get two players than Revis because both those players will contribute and will have an impact. Exactly. I, that, that's my exact argument with him. That's been my argument since people have been talking about him uh, possibly you know, coming back here in case things don't work out with the Patriots or whatever. It's just it's too much money to put into him. We can get other guys and fill other holes with that money. So there's just – Revis is not even an option in my mind. Yeah, and like I said, and I understand Jason's point where he, you know, he may bring a positive atmosphere to him, but the, to the Jets. But the problem is, too, is like we talked about, he's going to want – say this is going to be his last big contract. If he wants four or five years – I mean, in two years from now, he could be that guy like, you know, if you, just saying baseball terms. Look at all these guys getting big contracts. And after three years, you're, you're stuck with this contract. It's like an albatross. And I have a feeling if Revis gets that five-year deal, those last two years are going to be like, oh, my God, this guy's killing us. Let's try to restructure it. And it, it just seems like I could, be, I could be wrong. He could be a phenomenal – you know, he could last another six years. But that's just – you know what I mean? That's where I'm going with this. Where I'd rather go with a guy yeah. like a – the Buster Scrine's 26 years old. You know, Kareem Jackson's 26 years old. Devon House is 26. I mean, they, they're going into the peak of their career. They're, you know, it's just – it seems like you're going to get better value for your buck. Exactly, and and that's that's something that we look, we talked about as well. You know, he's getting older. He's going to be 30 soon, and he may last, you know, he may last past 30. He may be, 
you know, a different type of quarterback. But everything that I've seen from NFL history, the second a player turns 30, especially corners, they tend to get slower. They tend to – they don't tend to get better. They tend to get a little bit worse. So, like you said, those last two years when, when you know, that, that, that cap that cap way is weighing on us and his number is weighing on our cap very heavily, two years we're definitely not going to be able to restructure because we already know his history. He's not willing to give up money. He's a higher gun. So, I just I just don't want to go back down that road. I don't want to go back down that road with him. I'm not interested in holding out and possibly doing other things and asking for more money down the road too, because that's something that he's not foreign to as well. I just I just think we should just move on, get a Kareem Jackson, you know, maybe even go after uh, Byron Maxwell as well. Let's 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 do something different and address other needs as well with that money we yeah, gave and, him. We and, could give him. And Jason had an interesting take on Byron Maxwell too, where he thought it was kind of risky. It's a, it's a solid point because that's an all-star secondary he plays with, so he could benefit from that. It's, de- it's definitely a fair point and something to, to consider. And the other thing too is, you know, you just know if, if Reeve is signed somewhere else, the media's going to be like, McHagnan couldn't get it done. Don't make that story. I mean, if, if they don't go after him, there's a very good reason why, and the, the reason we just explained. So uh, with that being said, we're going to bring on another special, our first caller tonight, and a special caller, as this guy, this guy is the king of billboards. This guy, if you want somebody fired, you contact him and his group, and he's going to get him fired because he's a he's a man he's a he's a man of people and he takes requests. So it, it's uh, Jay from FireJohnIzik.com. Jay, it's Joe and Tyson. How you doing, man? What's up, guys? Been a long time. <laughs> are you still are you still on your Sam Bradford campaign, man? God, I would love to get Sam Bradford in here, man. You got. Uh, listening tonight, I'll eat, we're we're on the same page big time with uh, with Sue and Revis and and you know all these people you know obviously clamoring to get some uh, some big names in here. But you know, I, I, Jason said something that uh, that that really stuck out to me that I that I really wanted to try and at least give my my two cents on. Um, you know, he said that ownership is gonna you know maybe ownership would be thinking that that would be something that that fans would uh, would want is to you know go out and get Revis, but. I mean, really, I, I don't want to see moves, um, free agent moves made based on, you know, what's going to be good in the box office. I mean, realistically, $15, $16 million for Revis is, I mean, this team can't do that with this team. And, and same with Sue. I mean, our defensive line, we, you know, we, we spent all these first-round draft picks bringing in these defensive linemen, and, you know, that's probably our, our position, you know, our, I mean, definitely our best position on the team. I mean, it's sort of place kicker, I would say. And then uh, – you know, with Revis, I mean, to take $16 million and throw, you know, throw out to Revis, I mean, you could get two, I mean, forget about two uh, serviceable guys. You could get two really good, three really good guys. I mean, you could you could sign yep. probably, you know, Pro Marty. You could get, uh, you know, you could get one of the receivers. You, can, you know, if you wanted to get, uh, I mean, and either of the top two receivers, Cobb or Macklin. I mean, and then you could still have another $3 million to throw around, at, you know, after, after all said and done, just for the price that, that, that it would cost to bring in Revis. So, not my, not really. I mean, look, if we bring in Revis, would I, would I be excited to watch him play? Sure, but you know, that's going to eat up, you know, almost a third of of the of the money that we have out there to spend. And I, just, I'm, I'm just not feeling that. I, I you know, he's gone. He, you know, I, I've moved, personally have moved on from from Revis. You know, I, that jersey is tucked away in the back of my closet, and I hope to never have to break it out again. To be honest, because uh, you know they're. It, it's, a, it's a fair point. I mean, we talk about it. It's, it's a name, and everybody has a love for him because we drafted him, and he was here, and the Revis Island, all of the nonsense. But at some point, you move on, and you do what's best for your organization. And at this point, like we have all this cap space. Let's maximize it. And I don't think giving him $16 million a year is maximizing your cap space. Like you mentioned, it, it's just not. You can get – say if you get a Spiller, a McCourty, and somebody else. I mean, you're, you're addressing needs with younger players, could be explosive players. I mean, what are your thoughts on like today? The, the big news with Jerry Hughes. I mean, there's some pass rushers out there that are going to command ridiculous money, but that's what we needed with John Abraham. We need an explosive guy off the edge. It's not Quinton Copels. We hope it is, and maybe he's better under Todd Bowles, but I don't think so. I mean, don't you think? I mean, do you think it's you're going to go spend big money on a pass rusher, or do you take a chance in the draft, or do you do both? Uh, you know, it's 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 really tough. I mean, I, I go back and forth on what I want to do with that draft pick. I, I mean, I, I've been outspoken. You've seen. I, I'm not a big fan of of Mariota. I mean, I would think if if he falls to us, uh, you know, you trade out of that spot. Obviously, you know, Philly looks like they're they're hot after him. Um, you know, I, my my personal preference, I want to see us rebuild the offensive line because I mean, if you look at what what built our success, uh, you know, in, in the first couple of years of Rick Ryan is. That year that that we had two first round draft picks, that we took uh, the Brickshaw, we took Mangold, and we started to build up that offensive line. And and you know, 
the offensive line right now is, is so spotty that, like, you know, I, I, I want to see us sign, you know, Iupati, and, and I want to see us – I wouldn't even mind seeing us, you know, following that up with, with drafting an, an offensive lineman in the first round. If we need to trade down and, and take one of the best available later on, um, you know, in the first round or something, I'm fine with that too. Um, but, yeah, obviously we need a pass rusher also. I mean, there's so many holes, guys. That's why I just don't want to dump all that money into one player. I mean, I want to spread it around and, and bring in – as many, you know, as many players as possible. And, and, you know, I mean, look, you got, you bring in a guy like Revis to $16 million and he gets hurt. Then where are you at? You know, I mean, you could have had three, four guys. So it's just not my, you know, it's, it's not my thing. But I do want to see us bring in an edge rusher for sure. I mean, we, we, uh, for all that, for all those picks that we spent on, on, uh, you know, on defensive line, we're still not getting that much, uh, natural pressure on the quarterback. I mean, we're blitzing and, you know, or what we were with, with, uh, you know, with Rex, but, you know, there wasn't really anyone that was really just getting to the quarterback. I mean, I guess Copels was supposed to be that guy, but that's, I guess that's what happens when you, uh, you know, you, you, you swing and miss on all these traffics. I mean, look, our, our biggest problem is our secondary, but we got first round picks all over the secondary. <laughs> you know, we got, you know, obviously we had Kyle Wilson, we had, uh, you know, Milner and, and, you know, we got, uh, what's his name back there? Uh, the safety, we just took the first round. And, uh, you know, so, so we're just, we're, we're, I don't know, man. I, you know, I, I just hope that we do better in the draft going forward, whoever we get. Exactly. And I want to thank you for calling in as well. I kind of have the same take on Revis. Uh, you know, I heard what you said about the fans, you know, the, the media saying that that would get the fan base going and might bring us back. You know what would definitely get us going and might uh, get us to bring back would be winning. And winning. Yeah, you have to have an entire team. And spending all that money on Revis, I totally agree with you, just isn't isn't in our in, in our in our wheelhouse. It's not in our best interest to do that. Um, totally agree with you, like you said, about drafting offensive linemen. Uh, Mike Alupati is one of my guys as well. Uh, speaking about free agency, I've been banging the table for him. Going to keep doing that. I hope we can get him and bring him in. Uh, but drafting, especially especially this year with the offensive linemen that are there, drafting or and trading down, drafting offensive line is one of my big things. One one a question that I had for you is though, what Lyman, would you target in the draft? What's your favorite guy in the draft? Oh, um, you guys are. Kind of, I, I had a long day with work today, but but the uh, uh shirt, shirt, shirt. I forgot to say. Okay. Shirt, shirt. Yes. But uh, yeah, shirt. man. I you know I, I'm I'm definitely uh, you know I'm a big fan of his. I saw some, some tape. Um, you know we've been bouncing around ideas. You know. Uh, <laughs> My, my my friends that uh, that we all started the uh, the billboard campaign with obviously the text message chain hasn't stopped so we've been going back and forth on who we want. Um, a couple of the guys actually want to get White to be a wide receiver from uh, you know, from West Virginia. Um, are, a couple of the guys are higher on him than they are on Amari Cooper, um, which is interesting to me because I'm I'm actually a fan of Cooper. Um, but I don't know, man. I, you know, I, I, if if we're going offensive line, you know, I, I, will he be available at, at 20? Um, I'm not sure if we trade it down with the Eagles. So you know. It's uh you know if, if if there's a guy that that McCagnan and them that they love on the offensive line and and uh, you know they don't think he's gonna be available at twenty I guess that it makes that uh, you know trading down maybe a little bit more difficult so I, yeah okay and also I, I wanted to know I know you guys are all about Sam Bradford but outside of Sam Bradford you what do you think about Ryan Fitzpatrick do you think that's a guy we could bring in too and possibly have him compete with Gino as well. Well, I guess he's had some success, um, you know, with, with uh, you know, the, the the coaching staff that we have in place, and and uh, but I'm not sold on any of those guys, man. To be honest, I don't know where you go with quarterback. You know, I'm, Brad, Bradford, you know, I know he's got his injury, his injury issues, and everything. So I understand why some people think we're a little nuts, you know, a little nuts for uh, being so high on him. I, you know, I, I don't. I mean, all the names that are out there, the Hoyers and the the, uh, the Matt Moores. I mean, you know. Are these guys, you know, I, I know anybody different, right? You know, because, but are these guys really that much better than Geno Smith? And I know that's, I mean, it's probably crazy for me to say because I'm just not a big fan of Geno Smith whatsoever. But Yeah, but Jay, but I, Jay what, actually, Jay, I, Jay, would you, like, that's my question I was going to ask you was, you know, with, with you have all these guys out there, and, like, there's some guys that are veterans that you just know you're getting. Hoyer and Fitzpatrick, who mm-hmm. I think could do something under Chan Gailey. But would you rather have, like, a Jake Locker or Ryan Mallett? Like, a, Ryan Mallett's a relative unknown, but Jake Locker is always bad. They're young guys that can, you know, they have potential to, A, compete with Geno and beat him. And if they, they work out, they could be a guy here for the next three or four years. Would you rather have a guy like that? And if they don't work out, are you okay with Geno Smith starting day one if he, if he wins the competition? 
Well, I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm definitely intrigued about Jake Locker, only because he always beats us up for some reason. So, I mean, you know, obviously Jet fans have seen good Jake Locker, um, but I'm, I, I can't say I watch too many, uh, you know, Tennessee games to know uh, all that much about him. I mean, he, he's an intriguing prospect. I mean, he's, he's got injury issues and everything. Um, everybody's got their issue. Whoever's available. I mean, nobody's giving getting rid of a, you know, a, of a. Um, short thing quarterback at this point, right? I mean, there's just not that many of them. So, I mean, you know, you got these guys floating out there you know, that, that who knows what you're getting. I mean, um, you know, Chan Gailey obviously got a, a – look, he made Ryan Fitzpatrick a rich man, right? I mean, he got him that contract and, and uh, you know, he played well under him. So, if if I if, – if, if it's not Bradford, I mean, I guess Fitzpatrick probably make the most sense only because he knows what he's getting into with, uh, with Gailey, right? I mean – I, but I don't know where else he'd go. I mean, I, I, I'm not. I'm. I don't want to really see Matt Moore in here. I, to be honest, if it was any of those guys, Matt Moore's and, the, and Ryan, I mean, even Ryan Mallett, um, you know, we, we had a situation when we brought in uh, who who's that quarterback, the the backup from uh, from New England that we brought in here that was sitting on our bench for a while. It was like a third Kevin stringer. O'Connell. Um, yeah, Kevin O'Connell. I mean. You know, they they thought they had you know oh let's get Kevin O'Connell. He was sitting there, you know, he was the backup or whatever. I mean, guys like that, I I just trust it. Would Belichick really let Malik go if if he had a gym? I mean, I, I I don't know. So yeah, but see, I would I would take the argument. I'm I'm kind of a Malik guy because Bill O'Brien knew what he had in New England, and then he brought him to Houston. So for me, like I think that he you know, and Bill O'Brien's going to be a quarterback guy. I think he he intrigues me a bit because he's got a big arm. I mean, unfortunately, he got hurt last year, so he couldn't really see what he had to do. So I mean, that's mm-hmm. a guy that you know. To me, it's like it could be a diamond in the rough, and I don't think he's going to command a big salary. I mean, we had Joel Corey on. He was like, listen, he may want a one- or two-year deal, like a show-me deal, because if he, if he pans out, he's going to want big money. If he doesn't, then you cut him without a big you know, big thing. But, Jason, before we let you go, man, what are you guys up to now? I think I had heard, you and my, our good friend Paulie, I think, are trying to do some kind of uniform change, or what are you guys trying to do now, man? <laughs> We're always getting into some nonsense, man, to be honest. we got all kinds of things going on between the Knicks thing, you know, with Dolan, and, and uh, you know, now we got, we're got we we're messing around with Paulie and the uh, – you know, and, and the uniform thing. I know some people are trying to get us to do a fireman-ish meta thing. I mean, you know, I, I guess they, they, they saw that that, uh, that, that that were pretty relentless, you know. I mean, I, so it's 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 been kind of fun. But, um, you know, we're just – to be honest, I, I hope that people understand. 99% of the stuff that we post on Twitter, you know, we, we're, we're really just – we're trying to have a sense of humor at this point, you know, about everything. There, there's really uh, – you know, uh, we, we we don't take ourselves as seriously as a lot of people think that we do. Um, we're, we're very happy that, that John Itzik is gone. You know, obviously, he, uh, congratulations to him. I mean, I, I mean that in, in all sincerity. There, there was never anything that was personal about what we were doing with John Itzik. I know it came off at, at times as being very personal, but really it wasn't. I mean, we just we just didn't want him to be the GM of the Jets in this pivotal offseason. We wanted him out of here, and we knew how important this offseason was, and we didn't think that he had anything, you know, really to offer. So, um you know, congratulations to him for getting another job in Jacksonville. I mean, I guess it shows what the NFL thought about his job performance. He's like, what, an assistant to the cap specialist of the worst team in football. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, but but at the same time, look, I mean, if anything, I mean, people were saying that, uh, saying to us that, you know, we're terrible people for, for uh, campaigning to get a man fired and taking away his livelihood. Well, he's getting a paycheck from the Jets and the Jaguars now. So, I mean, I guess he, he didn't make out so bad. <laughs> well, Jay, thanks for calling in, man. We appreciate it. It's always fun talking to you. And, you know, it's it's going to be a fast and furious time a week from now. So hopefully the Jets improve their team and we can see some quality football this season. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, the one last thing I just want to say to you is, you know, where my stance is with this. You know, we got to get rid of Percy Harvin. Don't bring him back for $10.5 million. Please, please do not bring <laughs> Percy Harvin back for $10.5 million under any circumstances. <laughs> thanks a lot, Jay. All right, man. <laughs> Boy, Joe, you have Joe. It's funny because you know Percy Harvin. It, it's a lightning rod now, especially when when names like Jeremy Macklin are out there and Randall Cobb. And you know, I, I honestly think Jeremy Macklin's going to get resigned. I don't think he's going anywhere. But Randall Cobb's an intriguing guy just because of the fact that he's a versatile running back, and they, they use him out of the backfield catching passes. I mean, they did all kinds of things with him. But you know, it's interesting. The Percy Harvin situation is so interesting. And the only thing I'm happy about is they had the nine days to negotiate in free agency before they had to make a decision on him. So if they don't land a Randall Cobb or they don't land a Torrey Smith or whoever they're going after, they still have him in the fold. They can say, okay, you know what? We'll give you that one-year deal. We'll give you the ten million, you know, ten point five million, keep you, and then deal with it next year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that works in our favor because, like I said, I think we have very little leverage. Um, I think that when you look at free agency, though, as well, the market's starting to dry up. <laughs> it's just something that. 
And we're going to talk about our bet later. I, I did not forget about that. <laughs> remind you about that. I didn't forget about it as you thought I did. I didn't. Um, but when you, when you look at free agency now, and we talked about this last week, it's starting to change already. You're starting to see guys get franchise tag. Dez is in franchise tag. Uh, Demarius Thomas has been franchise tag. Those two big names out there at the beginning. You know, people were talking about, yeah, we should go after these guys. They're gone now. They're not. They're not out there. So when you look at Cobb and you look at the Browns, the Raiders, the Jaguars, they have tons of cap space. The Jags have sixty-eight yep. million. The Raiders have fifty-five million. The Browns have fifty-three million. These are teams that could go after him too, and we could get into a bidding war uh, over over Randall Cobb, and he could be gone. I could see him going to the Jags. I could see him going to the Raiders. And I could definitely see him going to the Browns, especially with Josh Gordon not playing this season as well, or his stuff being up in the air too. So, yeah, let, let's 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 not get ahead of ourselves. Let's hold our horses. And this is going to be a well, wild you, free agency for us. And we got, like you said, no, we got ten days to see what's going on. No, it's good, and I, but that's the one positive of the whole contract. And like Jason said, it's just yeah. a weird, weird deal. And and you know, it's funny people kind of discount that fourth round draft pick. That fourth round draft pick is a big deal because we don't have the full picks like last year. You know what I mean? We we only have we don't have all these extra draft picks this year. And, and one of our listeners sent us in a question, and it's Sean McGrillen, who's a, a very you know he's a great supporter of ours, and I appreciate it. It's who would you overpay for in free agency? And I'll start off, and I'll say Devin McCourty. That that's the guy right off the bat. Ooh. I would pay him. If he wants $9 million a year, I will pay him that because we need a safety back there in the worst way. We've needed one for, since Kerry Rhodes at this point. And a guy that can move, a free safety, he's got range, he can cover. And that helps out these young corners. Because if you think about it, we're going to have, you know, you're going to have, say we sign Kareem Jackson. On the other side, you're probably going to have either Milner or Dexter McDougal. There's a good chance, even if you bring Camardi in, there's still a chance you're going to have a, an inexperienced corner back there or a guy that's still learning the ropes playing the slot. So if you have a guy that can cover a tight end, that can cover back there, can move, for me, that's that's if I'm overpaying for a guy, I'd probably say, if I, we don't get Iopati, I can go Orlando Franklin. But uh, for me, it's it's McCourty. I, I just, for me, that that's my answer for Sean. And, and I, Joe, it's up to you. What, what's your what's your call on that? Yes, uh, that definitely McCourty would be a decent uh, decent overpaying. My guy, and I'm sticking with him, is going to be Iupati. Uh Second would probably be World, but Iupati definitely would be a guy I would overpay. He'd immediately upgrade our offensive line. Uh, we could, you know, Willie Colon is gone in my brain. Don't they should not bring him back at all. So you stick no. him there, or you can put him on the other. You can put him on the other side and uh, move Brian Winters and probably get him gone too. Um, and he, we'd be able to run. We'd finally be able to throw. He'd be a mauler in the run game. Uh, there'd be holes over there. It, it just would help our quarterback situation out as well. They'd have more time. That's a guy we, I believe we have to bring in and get him in here. So Ayupati would be my guy. And second would definitely be Jason World. Yeah, and, and that's the, and the other thing, too. It's just like, you know, if you're going to say you're going to spend big money, I think I, I could see if, I mean, for me, it's not going to be a Revis or a Sue. They're both, they just don't make any sense for me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like you said, a world's interesting how Jason felt about Pernell McPhee, who's kind of a boomer bust guy. That, that, mm-hmm. That's got to be a concern. But, you know, another guy, I mean, another guy that's popping up is Brandon Graham with the Eagles. Another guy, 26 years old, situational pass rusher. If you can get him at six million per year, I think his, the the rumor was he wants like four years, 30 million. Another guy that's interesting, but you know, for me, it's McCourty. And if if McCagnan identifies a pass rusher that he wants that has a significant impact in this defense, spend for him. You know, like Joe, it's like you know we have a fan base that last year were pissed off that John Isaac was cheap, and now we have all this cap space. And some people are like, well, don't overpay this guy. Don't overpay this. We have the money. And if we over, we can overpay two guys and still have significant money and re-sign Wilkerson. It's not like let's not be frugal when it comes to signing a player that can make a significant impact. You know what I mean? So if it's McCourty, spend the money. You know, if you if there if you identify that it's Jerry Hughes or Jason Worlds and you get in a bidding war and you get to spend a little bit more, I'm spending it. You know, you just don't overspend for a guy like you know, a 33-year-old guy or a 34-year-old guy that's on his last legs, that's when you have issues. But, you know, for a young guy, 26, 20, you know, like those kind of guys, uh, I'm paying. Exactly, especially if we identify that it's a position of need and yep. he can come in and immediately contribute. You overpay. If you have to, you, like you said, we can overpay that guy. We can overpay two guys, uh, maybe even three guys. He's a mid-level guy. Uh, you overpay him and you sign the guys you need to sign to re-sign, like Muhammad Wilkerson or – Damian Harrison, and even LeJay Doosable, who gave us, you know, really good snaps, and, and you keep those guys in here. So those those will be solid moves for us. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and we, we have a show tomorrow night as well, so we'll go over a lot more in-depth stuff. We, we did this primarily to give a good insight in the free agency with, with Jason joining us. 
Um, you know, another name today came out was Brooks Reed. You know, they said I think it was, I believe it was Tony Pauline said that the Jets are be interested in Brooks Reed, another you know outside guy, you know linebacker, solid against the run, familiar with you know he, he's familiar with Mike McCagnan. So there's a lot of names slowly surfacing. So I think you know over the next week we're going to start you know names will start getting leaked out. I mean you know this is this is the time where stories start being generated by both the players and the teams. You know like the Houston the Andre Johnson story just came out. So there's going to be plenty of stories to come out. And Joe, you know it's it's funny because the veteran combine's coming out, and guess what? Guess what player is going to be there? Just get, you know, just I'll give I'll give you a hint though. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Okay. You work that, just saying, you work that it, song into the show every week. This is crazy. You know, it, it's just like I just want to let you know that that Brady Quinn uh, will be the veteran combine. Just in case yeah. anybody's wondering about that. I want to puke. <laughs> I want to absolutely puke. No one cares about that. Stop working that song into the show. Oh my goodness. This is disgusting. You just—we've lost all of our listeners now. God, I think Everybody's I think we did because right right now Ron Pickett Ron Pickett probably just hung up. He just probably hung up on us and just gave up on our show. But um, before before we wrap things up, like I said, you know we'll be on tomorrow night normal time. We just want to get this free agency show in. What is our bet, man? Because I I can almost guarantee you Percy Harvin is not going to be a Jet. But if you want to make this bet okay. and owe me something, what is it? Okay. Oh, you are confident. You are very, very confident. I'll tell you what. I'm a guy that loves to roll the dice, okay? This this is my thing. Everyone knows that I come down uh, for a game every single year, if not two games, and I'm always hungry. I'm a guy that's always looking to eat good, and I figure, why not spend your money instead of mine? So how about this? Percy Harvin's still on the Jets. I'm clearly going to win that bet. You take me out to the finest restaurant in Jersey, and you pick up the tab. That's the bet. That's it. But you know, Jersey's known for for pizza, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, don't take me to those those cheap places you be going to, these hole in the wall places. I want to eat very well. Okay, filet mignon, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got a deal. So our bet, our bet on Percy Harvin will be dinner. So if you come here and and I lose, dinner's on me. And if if I when I win, mm-hmm. which I will be, I'll make sure I bring you to a real fancy restaurant. So uh, <laughs> we'll do that. But as we wrap things up, um, first of all, I want to thank Jason Fitzgerald for joining us. I mean, everybody knows who he is. Phenomenal website, overthecap.com. So I want to thank you for joining us. And thank you, uh, Jay from FireJohnnyTook.com for calling in. Like I said, we'll be back again on – we'll be back on tomorrow night. Um, we're also on iTunes, Let's Talk Jets. And, Joe, share all our Facebook stuff too because that's, that's your bowl of wax there. Yes, absolutely. Um, we have a Facebook page called Let's, jo- Let's Talk Jets Radio. Uh, we're going to tweet that out. Please, guys, like it. Uh, come on there, watch the show, listen to the show there as well, and, you know, make some comments there too. There's also blog posts there from some of our followers that are blog writers. Uh, they have some good content as well. Check that out. Um, you can also check me out on YouTube. It's YoungJ00. I do videos as well. Comment, rate, subscribe there. I'll be covering Jeff's news as well, as well there. And you can please follow me on Twitter at YoungJ000. That's three zero for Twitter and two for YouTube. I love everyone, all the listeners. Comment, comment, I'll comment back. Follow me, I'll follow you back. Troll me, and I will troll you back too. So thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs> You're clearly the man of the people, man. <laughs> but, uh, I am, this I been... am, I am <laughs> a man of the people. I am. I touch all the people. Everyone, please. Hugs, everybody. Free hugs. <laughs> well, uh, well, Joe, it's good talking to you again. Thank you again to Jason, and thank you for the listeners. You know, our numbers are growing exponentially every week so we definitely appreciate that and we'll talk to everybody again tomorrow night so have a good night joe all right send you have a good night man you're listening to let's talk jets radio